so we've been walking through the book of Jeremiah. Get your notes out. There's also uh, on your uh, chair there uh, is uh, paper notes. And I would really encourage you if, uh, if you're just wanting to grab a Bible and uh, you come follow along. Because uh, what I'm going to be doing is as, as I'm walking through Scripture, I'm going to be circling and highlighting just as if I were uh, doing it. In fact, uh, here's, you know, just as if I were writing in my own Bible, taking notes. And uh, so I'm just taking what I have here and putting it down onto the notes uh, as we walk through it. So, um, man, it's, so we've been walking through Jeremiah. And for those of you that have been with us, you, you're going to kind of get just a real quick synopsis of what is happening in Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is at the time, uh, there's a big transition happening here. So the Assyrians have been in power. Uh, it's the Assyrian Empire has been conquering the entire world, uh, including uh, everything around Judah. And Jeremiah is in Jerusalem, which is in the nation of, of Judah. Uh, the, they're, they're formerly their brothers, the 10 tribes to the north, Israel, have already been conquered by the Assyrians. Um, and now the Assyrians are now being defeated by the Babylonians. And King Nebuchadnezzar is coming in and he is taking over. And at this point, we're going to be getting into this moment. And, and uh, Pastor Travis talked about this last week. The, the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem is now under siege by the Babylonians. So we've had, uh, had this moment where the, the Babylonians are coming in. They're all around uh, the city of, of Jerusalem, and they are under siege for two years. That they have been, like, Babylonians are not letting anybody get in. Uh, nobody's letting, their, and they're not letting the, uh, the Israelites out. So this is just, unless they're surrendering, they'd let them come out if they surrendered. But uh, so we have that. This is what's been going on, and we are we're going to get to the chapter uh, chapter thirty five today. But before I go to chapter thirty five, I want to look back on the frustration of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, and I love this because Jeremiah chapter twelve, back in uh, when he so Jeremiah is broken up in uh, it's not in chronological order. There's the call of Jeremiah in chapter one, and then chapter two through twenty are the messages of Jeremiah going to the nation uh, of Judah and to the city of Jerusalem. He, the, all these messages that are going directly to them. So then uh, in 21, we begin to get the history or kind of like what is actually taking place. So the captivity, the Babylonians are coming in. So that's what happens in chapter 21. And that's where all the way through 40. So we're going to be, we're still in that area. Uh, so we are, uh, but we're going to go back and look at a message. So Jeremiah is getting these messages from God, and this is what he says. He gets another message from God in chapter 12. Uh, he responds to, to the Lord. He says this, Lord, you, have al you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Uh, just go ahead, circle complaint, because you need to understand when you, we, so many times we think that the only way we can go to God is just with, you know, oh, how great he is and how wonderful he is. I can't really complain to God. I can, I can complain to my spouse and I complain to, to everybody else, but I can't complain to God. God wants to hear your complaints. He's okay with hearing you complain to him. You can tell him, God, this isn't right. This isn't just. This isn't what's supposed to be going on. That's exactly what Jeremiah does. He says, why are the wicked so prosperous? Anybody ever ask that question? Like, why are the bad people doing good? Why are the people that are, that, that, the jack wagons in our society, why are they rich? Shouldn't they be punished? And, and so, but he says, well, why are the wicked, why are the evil so happy? You've planted them and they have, take, they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips. 
So they say your name, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and test my thoughts. <laughs> I love this. Here goes Jeremiah. And you guys can relate. I'm telling you, you may not want to admit you can relate to this, but I can relate to what Jeremiah is about to say. Drag these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? How long do we have to put up with idiots? How long do we have to put up with people that are just constantly doing evil things and doing it for their own good and are taking advantage of me and those people that I love? How long? So drag them away. How long must we mourn? Even the grass in the fields has withered. The wild animals and birds have disappeared because of the evil in the land. They're, like, even the wildlife is trying to get out of here because these people are, are so wicked. For the people have said, doesn't, the, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. Sorry, that, that, I'm going to have to fix that for the next service. But the, the, he's complaining. And I love this. So God, he's complaining to God. And what does God do? God responds. God responds with this. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on the ground, on the open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? <laughs> sounds, sounds like a dad, doesn't it? Suck it up, buttercup. Uh, he, he goes on to say, hey, your family's going to disown you. Your friends are going to disown you. It's not going to be smooth sailing. This is as good as it gets. Praise God, God came to church on Sunday, huh? huh. <laughs> he said, this is as good as it gets. So, uh, you, but if you can't run now when men are pressuring you, what are you going to do when it gets worse? And I love that because then he says, what do you, if you fall when you're running on open ground, the word there, open ground, is actually the word shalom, peaceful ground. If you fall when it's peaceful, when you fall when the, there is no crisis, when you are stumbling and trying to make it when nothing's going wrong, what are you going to do when the, in the thickets near the Jordan? Now, okay, right away. When you study the scripture, you need some what? So does anybody know what the thickets near the Jordan even references? It's the Jordan River. Here's a picture of what it looks like today. Now that's a cool picture. But the Jordan today is only 15% of what it was when they were. It's been, it gets used in all kinds of ways. It gets people in the Jordan, take it to use the water their plants, and they use it for their uh, drinking water. They, it's used all over the place. So there's... It's only 15% today of what it was when Jesus and when, uh, when this was happening. It was a place, and when you actually go back and look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah describes that out of the Jordan come lions, bears, wolves, panthers. Like, and they found proof and evidence even today that they're even all the way up until the 18th century that there were lions in the Jordan, uh, in the Jordan Valley. Yeah. So he says, what are you going to do when you get to a place that's full of dangers? That every place you go and every way you turn, not only is the running hard, but there's all kinds of enemies that's trying to get you. What are you going to do when that happens? It gives you a bigger picture, doesn't it? It's not just running through some crowded weeds. We're talking about dangerous areas. What is going to happen, Jeremiah, when everything else is in total crisis? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So let's go to chapter 35. 
of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah actually gives, God provides for him. Oh, let, me, let me back up, because I put this in here for us. Because this isn't just Old Testament. James chapter one, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Yippee, we got a pandemic. Come on, woo, there's violence in the streets. Woo, the media is biased and going in every direction. Woo, the the politicians are complain any which way you want, okay? Give me all your arguments, right here it is. Consider that an opportunity to get excited. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. (laughs) For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, who, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you, rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure to, that your faith is, is in God alone. Do not waver for a person w- with divided loyalty, there's, the, there's a key word there, because it's going to be repeated, is an, as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord there Loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Not in some of the things they do, in everything they do. There's the key word. So God asked Jeremiah, how are you going to be dedicated? How are you going to be devoted? How are you going to be loyal when you're running with men when you have to race horses? How are you going to be devoted and dedicated and, and stuck to what you, what you know to be right when everything is going on? And J- James here is going, hey, you can't have two loyalties. You can't have dedication to one thing. You can't have devotion to one thing and then give it to something else. It's either you got, you got to get focused. So, so we, we understand this, though. Loyalty is something we comprehend because we have loyalty. Okay? I'll show you that you have loyalty. You ready? O-H. Every one of you knew what to say because you're loyal. Well, some of you, like, like some of you that are Michigan fans, you got a gut wrench in your stomach, and I'm so happy you did. <laughs> but we, we, and the reason why you got that gut wrench in your stomach is because you're like, I hate them. I'm loyal to that team up north, right? We, we understand loyalty. We understand loyalty when it comes to our phones. I will never own a Samsung. I'm Apple only. Right? I tried. I tried to go to the other side. I went and got a Google Pixel. And I, I learned really quickly, there's no reason to go to the dark side. Come right on back. Uh, <laughs> we get loyal. I, I remember like, growing up. and well, Here, you want to go? I, I, we want to have some fun with this? If there's some truck people in here right now, Dodge is the best. See? Ford's the best. See, there's brand loyalty. We understand loyalty. We're going to stay with it because it has proven to us to be good. So we're going to stay with it. And loyalty is something we understand. But God says, hey, you need to be loyal to me. Now, there's nothing wrong with being loyal to the Buckeyes or to the Browns or to whoever that or to the Ford. If you have to be and you like to fix trucks, Um, if you. (laughs) Sorry, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's, make sure that our loyalty never gets distracted to our loyalty to God. And this is, this is where we're going to look today. It's a Jeremiah saying, God's asking him, how do you be loyal? So let's go to chapter 35, verse 1. 
And we're going to look at a message where God actually gives them an example of what, what it means to be loyal or what it means to, be, to find yourself in a place of being dedicated to something. In Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 1, it says, This is the message the Lord God gave Jeremiah when Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king of Judah. So right here, we got a time frame. So uh, we, we know what king is involved, and this is, every time uh, he gives us, uh, he, he gives a message. And I love, it's always the message of the Lord. Jeremiah's like, this is a message from God. Uh, he, he's, he's giving this. And then he continues, he says, go to the settlement where the families of the Rechabites live and invite them to the Lord's temple. Take them into the, one of the inner rooms, offer them some wine, so I went to see Jehazaniah, son of Jeremiah, the grandson, that's not Jeremiah the prophet, different Jeremiah, and the grandson of Habazaniah, that's an awesome name, somebody needs to name their kid that, and all, all his brothers and sons, rep, representing all the Rechabite families. Jeremiah says, I took them to the temple, and we went into the room assigned to the sons of Hanan, the son of Gedaliah. A man of God. So not, Hanan is the, son, is the man of God. So not, not he, just the, the son of Igadiah is who he is, and then he is a man of God. So this right here, here I can draw, this applies to him, okay? This room was located next to the one used by the temple officials, directly above the room of Masiah, the son of Shalem. The temple gatekeeper. So the, the temple gatekeeper is this guy, okay? So we have, the, he's given us a very detailed description. Why? He's letting us, he's given us witnesses. He's telling you where he's at. He's giving description. So what, what is taking place is here? When you went into the temple, along the temple on three sides of it, there were these storerooms where they would store things for the use of the temple. There are also places where they could have meetings. So uh, meetings for the civil events or, you know, hey, we need to talk about the upcoming bake sale. And so they'd have, they didn't have bake sales. But, um, well, maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But they would have meetings in these, in these rooms. And this one is, he's giving you the exact room that he's in. There is no messing around. And then he says, I set up cups and jugs of wine before them and invited them to have a drink. But they refused. No, they said, we don't drink wine because our ancestor, Jehonadad, son of Rechab, gave us this command. So this is an important guy, right? So they're saying, hey, we are not going to drink this wine because our ancestor, Jehonadad, son of Rechab, gave us a command. Now, before we go into what the command is, let's look at who this guy is. So this is, this is where we get to have some fun. And I, I want to throw just a little tidbit because they actually found this guy in archaeology digs. So they found this guy, Jehonadad, son of Rechab, in some documents that they found at a site that they were, did some archaeology at. That's really cool. And again, I love to point this out to you. And I, I always want to throw these tidbits into you guys, especially to students, because you're going to get challenged that the Bible's not real. It's not a historical document. It doesn't really apply to us today because it's just a fairy tale. Except for, it's not. These people that were in the Word of God are historical figures that we now have evidence that they existed and they did what the Bible says they did. Cool stuff. Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, we could do a whole class just on that, but... <clears throat> Sorry. So they said, so uh, who is this guy? So we got to go. And this is where we get to have some fun. And if you have a study Bible, I highly recommend this right, right away in verse uh, six. 
uh, of uh, chapter 35, there's usually, you're going to have Jehonadab, and in my Bible, there's a little asterisk beside it that points me down to a, a verse, a, a parallel verse, tells me where I can find this guy. And this guy is found in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15. And so let's look at this guy. His name is, it says, when Jehu left there, he met Jehonadab of Rechab, who was coming to meet him. After they had greeted each other, Jehu said, are you as loyal to me as I am to you? This seems to be a theme with, with Jehonadab, son of Rechab. He says, yes, I am. He says, if you are, then give me your hand. So Jehonadab put out his hand, and Jehu helped him into, his chariot, him into the chariot. Then Jehu, so Jehu is the king, a king of Israel, of the northern kingdom. He starts off good, but in the end turns bad. But at this point, he's doing some good things. He's getting rid of uh, false prophets, false uh, guys, uh, false priests, priests of Baal. Yeah, there, he's doing a good thing. It says, now come with me and see how devoted I am to the Lord. See how devoted I am to the Lord. So Jehonadad rode along with him. See, this, is, this is so important that you know who he is. And I wish I had more time. You need to come to context, context, context. Because we're going to go this, this Thursday. We're going to talk about some things in context. That this guy actually is from the tribe of the Kenites. The Kenites, and I'll show you on context how you can put this all together. He's from the tribe of the Kenites who aren't actually Israelites. They came along with the Israelites out of Egypt because they were connected to Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. They were not Israelites by birth, but by dedication. They follow along, and so much so that they, they follow along, and they say, hey, we're going to follow after this guy. And then you find this, this woman, Jael, which is my favorite, one of my favorite women in the Bible, because uh, one of the kings is, uh, there's a battle, and one of the kings is running away, and he runs into the tent of Jael. And Jael goes, oh, okay, go ahead and take a nap. You look worn out. Go ahead. Relax. Feeds him. Gets him all tired. Gets his belly full. Out cold. She takes a tent spike and drives it through his temple into the ground. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, if you're looking for a wife, gentlemen, find one like that. <laughs> Make sure she's on your side, okay? <laughs> this is, this is, like, so there's this ongoing story of these, this people being dedicated, being loyal, being all out devoted to who they are. And so let's look at who this, what commandment he asked them. He says, so going back, Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 7, he says, I set cups of, and jugs of wine before them, and they invi invited them to drink, but they infused. They said, no, we don't drink wine because our ancestor, Jehonadad, a son of Rechab, gave us this command. You and your descendants must never drink wine and do not build houses or plant crops or vineyards, but always live in tents. If you follow these commands, you will live long, good lives in the land. That's not a small ask. Hey, we don't want you ever to build a house. We don't want you to plant vineyards and don't drink wine. Now, that might seem like no big deal, right, today, because we can go to the store and we got aisles full of things that aren't wine that we can drink. At this time period, you couldn't just go to the grocery store and drink anything. And you also couldn't drink water because most water wasn't just good to drink. They drank wine because it was, it was purified. So most people in this time period would have been drinking wine on a daily basis because it was what they had to drink that was good for them to drink. Okay? 
So when they're asking not to drink wine, this adds a whole bunch of work because now they have to get fresh water or they have to get water and they have to purify it. There's all this extra work. And hey, when you're doing that, don't build any houses, live in tents. It says, we, we, so this is what he says, so we could live long lives. This was, oh, by the way, 250 years prior to this. So for 250 years, they've been living this way. So we have obeyed him in all these things. In all these things, we have obeyed him. Look at that, that little him, that Jehonadab, who really, we have no evidence of doing anything spectacular. He's just their ancestor. We have, ne- we have never had a drink of wine to this day, nor have our wives, our sons, or our daughters. We haven't built houses or owned vineyards or farms or planted crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed all the commands of Jehonadab, our ancestor. But when the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked this country, we were afraid of the Babylonian Syrian armies, so we decided to move to Jerusalem. That is why we're here. So let me just tell you, they're not living in houses. They're living inside the city because that's the safest place to be. So when, when uh, armies would attack, Jerusalem is one of the walled cities. So they went to Jerusalem to stay safe from the Babylonians and the Assyrians. Now, they included Assyrians here because uh, when, after the Babylonians attacked them and beat them, now they're their army and they can use them to fight against Israel. Okay, so they bring in and they say, hey, we're, we're moving inside the city for now. And after all this danger leaves, we're going to head out. But for right now, that's why we're here. For 250 years, we have fully obeyed all the commands that our ancestor left us. He gave us traditions and things that we needed to follow. So we followed them. Now, so here, here's what you need to understand. One thing is that dedication is beyond the circumstances. Dedication is beyond the circumstances. So when you're dedicated to something or you're loyal to something, it is beyond what is presently happening. I, 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 it's, I, I love the testimonies, and they're so sweet, and I, I think they're cute, and, but let's just, let me use it as a great, as an example. You ever give a testimony, or maybe you've even done this, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing this at all, but you go and to pull in the Walmart parking lot, right, and you're, it's packed out, like, oh man, and you drive up, and as you make the turn, you see the light, white lights come on, and somebody pulls out of the very front parking spot. And you wait patiently, and they pull out, and you pull in, and you say, Thank you, God, for a great parking spot. You're so good. Right? God's so good because I got a good parking spot. So when, good, when the circumstances are good, God is good. Do you see what we just did? So when I pull in the parking lot, and the only parking spot I can get is all the way in the back beside the, the trailer that's back there, the camper guy that's been there for three days, and who knows what's going on inside that thing. <laughs> and that's the only place you can park. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You pull in beside that, and you're in, you got to sit there, and you're like, oh, man, is God bad because the circumstances are bad? All right, let's magnify this. So when everything's smooth and the ground is peaceful, is God good? Or is it only when God, or, or how about when we get into the jungle around the Jordan? Is God good when all the dangerous things are attacking us? See, dedication isn't about the circumstances. This is why it's so important that we have this devotion, this dedication in our lives, not only vertically, but also in our lives horizontally. Because let me just, students, you need to have a dedication and a set guideline to how you're going to date. 
Because that way, when the decision comes up of whether you're going to take the next step in that relationship, you've already got the decision made. See, it's not about the circumstance. It's not about how good it feels in the moment. You've already made a decision that you're not going there. You're keeping your pants on. Talking real. This is also, marriages, you need to know this. You have to have these guidelines in your place so when you're married and you get into a place where something, temptation comes up, no, the word divorce doesn't happen in our house. It's not an option. So it doesn't matter with that. I don't go down that road because that's not an option, right? That's, I'm dedicated, I'm devoted, I'm not going down. When you get into a situation at work and you've got a, an ethical situation where the boss is asking you to lie, but you've already made a decision that you're not gonna go down that road. You don't have to make the decision on the spot, you make the decision beforehand. That's called dedication, devotion, loyalty. Devotion, dedication is beyond the circumstances. It's also beyond the benefits. See, it wasn't fun to live in a tent. It wasn't fun to never plant crops and to have to depend on God providing you your next meal. It wasn't fun. It's not, this was, they didn't have a great thing. It wasn't about the benefits. Dedication and devotion are not about what I get. Let me ask you a question. Would you serve God if he never gave you anything? Is God still God if he doesn't save you? Yes. Yes. God is still God if he never sent Jesus. But he did. He did. He already gave us salvation. So if, if we have this idea and this understanding of who he is, it doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter about the benefits. I don't serve God for what I can get. I serve God because he's God. End of story, period. And also, I don't, I don't divorce my wife because it no longer feels right. It's not about the benefits she gives me. I'm married to her. I'm staying with her. By the way, she doesn't have any issues. She makes me feel great. It's all good. <laughs> In case you're wondering. <laughs> Just made my daughter squirm a little bit. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> this is dedication is beyond circumstances. It's beyond the dedication. So let, let's read on. He says, then the Lord gave me this message to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The God of Israel says, go and say to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, come and learn a lesson about how to obey me. Come and learn a lesson. Here's, write this down. I don't, I'm not going to take the time to write it down. Write this down. Jeremiah and is about inspiration, not uh, uh, imitation. Right? So many times we think, oh, they had it right, so that's what we need to do. God says learn a lesson. He doesn't say become like the Rechabites. He says learn a lesson about how to obey like the Rechabites. The problem many times in following Jesus is we try to duplicate somebody else's relationship with Jesus rather than make our own. Get your relationship with Jesus. Walk theirs. Don't try to get somebody else's burning bush experience. Don't try to have somebody else's day of Pentecost experience. Have your relationship with Jesus. And also, don't ask other people to have your relationship with Jesus. Okay, I'll keep going because I, I... Okay, it says... It says, um, the Rechabites do not drink. So this is God speaking. Do not drink wine to this day because their ancestor, Jonah. So the, the reason why is that they, because, the only one reason, their ancestor, Jehonadad, told me not to, told them not to. But I have spoken to you. 
I, the God of the universe, have called out to you. I have spoken to you again and again, but you refuse to obey me. Time and time I sent you prophets and you to- who told you, turn from your wicked ways and start doing the right things. Stop worshiping other gods so that you might live in peace here in the land and, uh, that I have given you and your ancestors, but you, but you would not listen or obey me. The descendants of Jehonadad, the son of Rechab, have obeyed their ancestor completely, but you have refused to listen to me. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, because you refuse to listen or answer when I call, I will send upon Judah and Jerusalem all the disasters I have threatened. That Babylonian army that's outside your doors, guys, is coming in. Because you won't listen. Then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed your ancestor, Jehonadad, in every respect, following all his instructions. In every respect, in all his instructions. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Jehonadad, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who will serve me. They'll always have somebody that, that will be serving me. Not that, that There's not going to be any benefits. They're going to be working for God. He says, this is, this is so crazy because he says, Jehonadad, now, Here's where we get to have some fun, connect some stories in the Bible. Go to Nehemiah chapter 3, verse uh, 14. The dung gate was repaired by Makajah, son of Rechab. After the Babylonians come in, they tear down, the third time in, they tear down the temple of Jerusalem, tear down the walls, they tear it all down. And 70 years later, Nehemiah is allowed to come back and rebuild the walls. Who's involved in serving and working and doing what God has said you, what he would do is a Rechabite. A Rechabite's back in, in the picture. This is, see, dedication is not about just me. It's beyond myself. And it goes back to the very beginning. The Rechabites were not, they were dedicated to God, not because of they were born in the right family, because they dedicated themselves to do so. Rechabite, uh, the, uh, re, uh, yeah, they, they, they all come along. There's this generation after generation after generation of these people dedicating themselves and saying, we are going to be committed to God. Here's, here's my challenge to you this morning. Will you be the one who changes your future generations? Will you be the one that says from now on, from this generation forward, there will be a McDonald's serving the Lord. From this day forward, there will be a following the Lord, serving the Lord. It's beyond my circumstances. It's beyond my benefits. It's beyond my generation and myself. I'm doing this for the next generation. I'm doing this for the next generation. Man, but it's not about partial dedication. It's all out. And Jesus lived this for us. Jesus showed us the example of going all out. Because when he went to that cross, there was no reason for him to go to the cross. When he allowed himself to be beaten, when he allowed himself to be nailed, when he allowed that spear to, he allowed all that 
It was God in the flesh allowing it to happen to him was to show you and I, it's not about partial. It's not about piece of my loyalty. It's all of my loyalty. It's all of my dedication that I give to him. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want to invite you to join me in this prayer. It's a prayer of dedication, of turning to God and saying, God, I'm following after you with everything I've got. And for some of you, this will be the first time you pray this prayer because you, you haven't taken that step of, of following him. And this is the moment that you say, God, I'm, I'm get, get, turning from loyalty in this direction. I'm turning to loyalty to you. For some of you, this will be a recommitment, a moment where you say, God, I'm turning back to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you, would you join me in this prayer if you'd like? Lord Jesus, we turn to you because of the example of full dedication when you went to that cross and died for my sins, when you were buried and resurrected so that I could have your spirit living in me, today I turn to you and I give you all my life. I dedicate myself to you, to following you. In Jesus' name, amen.